0: Welcome to another episode of the RevTech Revolution. Today, Betsy is joined by Saul Garcia, the Vice President of Revenue Operations at Health Recovery Solutions. Join us as they discuss Saul's journey from sales ops to rev ops, the power of curiosity in delivering valuable insights, and the exciting possibilities of AI for automating sales and marketing operations. All this and more coming up on the RevTech Revolution.
1: Hello, Saul.
0: How's it going, Betsy? How are you?
1: It's going great. Thank you so much for making some time to join the RevTech revolution.
0: It's a pleasure. I'm excited for this.
1: Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. So let's dive right in. Um, You've had a really fascinating background that got you to your current role at Health Recovery Systems. What made you select this path and what are some important milestones that have taught you a lot?
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, my journey takes me from a place where I graduated with a degree in psychology. I, I worked in counseling for a while, worked in corporate wellness, um, and then eventually found this little role called sales operations, and it sort of led me to where I'm at today. Uh, and that was eight years ago, which now feels like in the rev ops world a bit. Uh, let's just say I have many more gray hairs than when <laughs> I started uh, uh, in sales operations, and so, um. You know, important milestones in my career, I think my role that I had in um, corporate wellness was sort of my first uh, introduction into sort of the, the corporate slash business world. Um, I think that was where I learned a lot of that initial business sense, right? Which you don't necessarily get a whole lot when you're, uh, you know, your undergrad is in psychology and, and you're, you know, you're kind of doing some counseling, et cetera. Um, and I think that got me a little bit more hungry for you know, kind of getting more involved into uh critical aspects of the business. Um, that's when I found sales operations and, and it's this unique role that you know allows you to work with the sales team and support the sales team in a way that you you're an accelerator to the the needle, right? You help accelerate uh the performance and and goal attainment across the organization um knowing that i'm not a great salesperson um i figured that might be the great the, you know the best fit and role for me um so uh you know moving into sales operations as a first role role was uh really eye-opening it was just a completely different world than what i was in um i certainly felt out of place for a while i, I wasn't sure whether uh this is the right career change and the career move um Within time and, and fairly quickly, I was able to pick it up, um, and uh, yeah, the, I would say that that role, which was at a company called Active Network, was a huge milestone for me because I was just the first foray into into sales operations. And then after that, I got opportunities to three separate opportunities to grow a sales or revenue operations team from the ground up. Um, each of those, I think, similar in some say, in some um, uh, in some ways, but also Uh, each of those had a a really different experience that helped mold sort of the, I would say the person and the the leader in RevOps that I am today.
1: And so um, just for the listeners, how do you differentiate between sales operations and revenue operations?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question, right? Because I think when you think about what that means today versus what it meant eight years ago, um, I don't think that question probably would have been asked very often eight years ago, right? Right. Uh, So I think, uh, eight years ago, it was sales operations um, and, and still in its really early development into what it is today. I think at its core, sales operations has evolved into revenue operations. However, now sales operations also means something somewhat different in that it's a bit more narrowed. So revenue operations, in my opinion, is this uh, unit team um arm of of an organization that sort of uh sort of bridges the gap to the different silos within an organization albeit sort of marketing sales customer success account management accounting finance etc um and then so sales operations is specifically in my opinion as it pertains to this um again the operational side of sales right so you're supporting the sales function Um, i think back then sales operations Sort of was all of those um, until I think you know the definition got got a little bit more um, narrowed down and and more defined, and so um, now you know revenue operations is essentially all those things,
1: yeah, and of course, um, technology has proliferated, right? So where you Absolutely. might have had one or two pieces of software to manage in sales ops, now revenue ops has probably ten or twelve depending on the stack and the objectives
0: absolutely and 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 even beyond that it's not just the managing of the stack it's also being aware of the new pieces of technology that are coming out right um and so um you have to be a bit of a technologist yourself uh, in revenue operations um which again as as i get older and more gray hairs you know I'm, i'm becoming less and less confident i would say on some of the new pieces of technology but uh, still, regardless, you know, you have to kind of stay in touch with what's new out there.
1: Yes. So we talk a lot about technology on this podcast, obviously, but I think it's also very much about the organizational structure that has to adopt the technology and the data that flows through all the various pieces of technology, which are signals, so to speak, about your customer and the customer journey. So it's um, in some ways uh, I feel you about the Um, evolution of technology and the constant pace of that evolution, but I think the constants are the humans and the data. So would love to kind of dig in and and ask a little bit about that. So tell me a little bit about the biggest challenges you've faced with teams throughout your career. How have you navigated those? You know, whether it's sales and IT teams or marketing and sales or just a sales team who didn't want to adopt a technology, anything that... um, our listeners might relate to in terms of your psychology background and understanding organizational behavior.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably one of the most, in my opinion, I think when it comes to revenue operations, it's one of the most underrated, but also important aspects of our role. Um, yeah, uh, we we can we can tend to to unilaterally state new processes or pieces of technology are important for the organization and so therefore adopt or you know or or get forgotten about right um which i don't think is is very empathic um which you know you you sort of have to have some of that in order to um i think excel in change management so i think you have to understand i think each each of these teams certainly have some aspects of their behavior that are similar you're you go to 10 different marketing departments at 10 different organizations you will likely find some similarities between all of those and then obviously some things that are unique you do the same with sales organizations you're going to find likely the same sort of uh same sort of things that are similar also some things that are unique but then you also look at marketing and sales those are generally going to be pretty different so your approach from a marketing operations perspective might be a little bit different than your approach for, for example, a customer success team. Um, and I think it's really important to know that who your customers are, who your audience is. Um, I, that, I, I try to use that term with our team or those terms with, our, with my team, which is our customers are the teams that we support, right? right. So in the same way that we're um, enabling the marketing and sales organization to uh, use a different approach for different personas, we also have to understand who our personas are right good and point. Um, and sort of uh manage uh, accordingly based on the different types of teams and the different teams that we're supporting so um you know adopting technology or implementing technology you know there there are certainly um challenges to that at every organization uh but i think the more that you can sort of get buy-in from the various teams and, and maybe you, you you ask for some help and buy-in from uh uh, a champion that is really good with technology and you also have someone that generally maybe is not great with technology you have both those people be a part of the sort of the the uh, um of uh, the training experience and 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 have them then go back to their and say yeah you know i was a part of this uh and and this is why i think it's going to be helpful for us so i think it's just trying to find the human aspect to sort of change management is really key to to our role
1: yeah absolutely um well, let's go to the other topic. Tell me a little bit about finding a balance between raw data and an interpretation of it through one of the various pieces of software you have to support, and based on the knowledge of your stakeholders, how do you how do you navigate that using all of the various facets you've learned over your career?
0: Yeah, that, that's something that you certainly have to adapt as well. I think that's probably, in my opinion, requires a bit more um adaptation than perhaps the previous topic. Um, as you mentioned, there are sometimes, especially uh, leaders at the executive level that might have uh, a different uh, understanding and or um, appreciation for data and how it's presented and how it's visualized, how what their preferences are, etc. Um, so I think depending on who you're working with, you know, when you first jump into a role, keep an open mind because you don't know quite yet how they prefer data. Um, I've had uh, uh, my, my current CRO uh, is really data-driven and it's really easy to have conversations about data with him. Um, previous uh, CROs or heads of sales, I might have to take a different approach. So I think you, you certainly want to adjust your your style uh, according to, I think, what, what may, might work best for them. But on the other hand, you, as the head of revenue operations or, or perhaps someone in the revenue ops org, your role is to present data and provide insights. And so while that person may or may not be as uh, sort of into the data and reporting of it as, as much as you are, your role still is to present the data and to provide insights on how the team is performing how the organization is performing. Um, And I think it's really important to know that uh, regardless of whether or not perhaps the audience is excited about the data and the presentation of it as a whole.
1: Yeah, and to some extent you sit in a different perch than almost anybody in the organization, right? Like you know what the data means more than almost anybody because it's easy to log into the CRM and interpret something, you know, pick a field, make a report, and then think you understand what the data means. But it might be a field that was out of date. It might be data that hasn't been scrubbed. Like Those things, I think, are really important contexts. Depending on where your CRM um, quality data quality is, it could be a full-time job just managing expectations about what the data is actually saying.
0: I think it is, uh, unfortunately, a full-time job. But you're right. So I think uh, a couple things from what you said. A, it's really important to present the data objectively I I, I think um, and, and but also be open to additional context and so I think what I mean by that is you go into a conversation for example uh, well, you know we did an analysis of 12 months of, of lost data right so it's important to say this is what the data is saying I'm not necessarily you do have to infer to some aspect but I'm not saying that some of these things are cause and effect, right? This is the data that we have. And also being yep. sort of open-minded to say, there's probably some room for improvement in how we track this data. That's gonna be sort of in version two and also moving forward. Um, but at the same time, it's important because you might say, look, uh, just throwing it out there, Q3 Q3 was our worst quarter and we, we lost more than any other quarter. Uh, we lost more dollars, more deals, etc. cetera. Um, and that's just what the data is and and so you might try to make a suggestion that we need to do xyz and change this in q3 but perhaps there was context around it right maybe the context is that there was a data cleanup and actually you just cleaned up a ton of old opportunities in q3 or or perhaps something happened within the market you know so it's good to have discussions around the data because you can get additional context on what, around what that is as well
1: yeah 100% um Have you, as you've gone through your career, have you had the benefit of always being in a data-driven culture or has it been where you've been that data-driven person and you've had to convince somebody who made intuition-based calls? And tell us a little bit about that evolution and and your situations there.
0: Uh, You know, I would say I I feel pretty lucky to say that I think I have been in, in fairly Data-driven cultures and organizations, um, but regardless, there's still, you know, I think there's still some aspects of of uh, or the organizations that are, are not as data-driven. Um, I'll give an example where um, just recently we were we were thinking about we're discussing not renewing a certain piece of technology, and um, I understood the reason why, uh, but when we were talking about it, the data that was being discussed around the reasons. For wanting to get rid of that piece of technology, were actually inaccurate, hmm. and so I, I sort of challenged, him like, "Hey, I want to make sure that the I, I still agree, or, or sort of playing the contrarian, I, 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 I want to make sure that we're talking about this accurately. Let's 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 come back and at least report on the accurate data um, because it was actually a lot more favorable than I think that was being reported." And so that's just an example where even though the data that was being discussed still led to the same conversation, I think it's important to have a data-driven organization and culture, but an accurate data-driven organization and culture, right? So yep. just to make sure that when the decision is made, it's made on the right on the right and accurate data.
1: Yeah, well, to the best of your ability, right? Because uh, it's a great point you're making is we all have our biases, Right. And we may be very data-driven, but uh, tripping a bias happens all the time. It's part of our hardwiring, right? So Absolutely. Having an or having a culture that calls that out so you can get around your own biases because you've got a good group of people helping you do that is probably a real asset. Totally. Tell me about your work designing a tech stack. It sounds like you've had the opportunity to get rid of things. Tell me about designing tell me about criteria that you've had to use um and let's just start there so when you come into a new position and you're either assessing or you're starting from scratch what are the first couple things you do
0: so when i started in sales operations my role was straight i was at a much larger organization um about 600 million in revenue we My role in sales operations was strictly reporting. And so uh, I became sort of an expert on all things Excel reporting, Salesforce reporting, um, eventually led a team of five where all we did was reporting. And so I think that created sort of a foundation for me, which is when I come into an organization or or I'm assessing uh, sort of the tech stack, A, I'm looking at what what are we reporting on, and then what what are we trying to report on because those are not always the same thing so first trying to understand what what we want to report on and then trying to understand what the needs of the organization are as well so once for me once i sort of start to have that and obviously that includes discussions with different stakeholders different leaders etc try to understand what you know w- what are the pieces of technology that are going to help some of the problems that we might have and it's it is going to be different for, for each organization now obviously you're going to have the same You're probably going to always going to have a marketing automation tool, a CRM tool. And those are probably the two that you're going to have sort of across a self engagement platform. But then it might depend uh, and it might be different based on other parts of the, uh, on other organizations. Uh, For example, maybe there's a humongous problem with uh, consistency in quoting and maybe you need to bring on a CPQ tool, right? Maybe there's a tremendous problem with uh, churn and you need to bring on a customer success tool. Um, and perhaps have an integration with your product uh, to start seeing some customer-related data in our CRM or in this customer success tool so I can track who's logging in, how well, usage, et cetera, right? So I think it just depends on what are the needs of the organization. Um, you sort of have your staples, but I think you have to be pretty adaptable to understand what the organization needs as well.
1: Yeah, that's great. and And it sounds like you come at it from what are the questions are we trying to answer and then what are the behaviors we're trying to, um, what I say instill in the organization?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's good orientation for sure. Um, then how, you know, once you've come through those two sets of questions, what do you do about data flows and making sure it sounds like, you know, you're in a situation where it might be two, three, four pieces of the stack, if not more. Now you got data flowing everywhere. What do you do? Like, how do you think about that problem?
0: I, you know, it's a really great question because I, I think it's one of those things that I probably have to, for my own sake, map out perhaps, um, because I think it would probably benefit me um, and, and, and perhaps almost put a, a name to the process that I have. I think for me, it's going back to the same questions because I've been in my role now for three years, but the reality is I'm still asking those same questions, right? Which is what does the organization need now, three, six, nine months from now, two years from now plus, right? And so trying to understand how all these tools talk together, whether it's, you know, for example, our CRM, market automation, sales engagement, uh, sales analytics, um, now we have you know Tableau, all these things. What does the organization need and how do I keep it all clean? And so I think it's about having uh, a, 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 a data structure that allows you to seamlessly understand what's happening between all the different pieces of data and all the different pieces of technology. Um, that's something we're currently working on uh, for example, uh, we don't have a unique identifier across all of our pieces of technology, right? Hmm. We don't have a unique identifier between CRM, NetSuite, uh, our, our, our back end system. Um, that's something that we need to build out, right? So, um, you know, admittedly, I think that's something where we probably can do, uh, or I probably can do a, a bit better a uh, job at. But I think I go back to that, which is, you know, what is important now for the future, how do we structure it that way? Um, but uh, you know, probably could could map that out a little bit better.
1: So let's go into data a little bit from a different aspect. Sure. So we were talking a little bit earlier about just acknowledging that bad data exists in all of our systems. How yeah. do you manage the effect of bad data as you're kind of feeding this data-driven culture?
0: And when you say effect of bad data, uh, could you could you? Uh... Elaborate on that a little bit. Uh,
1: So, for example, say that there is something wrong with a piece of data and it's flowing through a dashboard that everybody's using and, you know, the downward spiral of trust when data quality issues start to surface. How does that, how do you think about that? How do you triage that quickly? How do you regain the trust? Those kind of things. Or maybe it's never happened to you, but it sure has happened to me.
0: No, it, it, uh, I would love to <laughs> yeah. say it hasn't happened to me, but it's definitely happened to me. So, yeah, that's a that's an excellent question because, as as you mentioned, uh, data is trust, right? So, if it's extremely important to double, triple, quadruple check your data integrity and reporting before you launch it off, right? Before you present data to to um, uh, whether, whether it's in a report or whether it's in a, a, a PowerPoint or whatever that may be, um, it's important to understand the data as best as possible to make sure that it is accurate, it's valid and reliable, right? Um, I, I, I sort of talk to my team about constantly being uh, skeptical of the data, even though it's the data that we're reporting. If, if you are constantly skeptical of it, um, you'll see something, something maybe doesn't look right to you, dig into it, double, triple click into it until you get to the point where you are confident that the data that's being presented is valid and reliable. Yeah. So I think the two words for me are validity and reliability. If you're confident to the point that you feel like that is those two are accurate, then I think you can move forward. When you get to a point where, for example, something gets pointed out even after the fact that, hey, this doesn't look accurate, I think you have to act on that um, first triage, right? Um, if, did I send this to a sales manager or did I send this to the board, right? Um, sure. If it's to the board, it's a different level of triage than it is sure. to, to a sure. sales manager, right? So I think you have to triage that to best understand. And I think once you've made a fix to that, I think it's important to own up to that fix. Um, it, it's it's important to then say, hey, I made an error here. Uh, the updated number is this. Here is." what was wrong with the original data, and this is what we've done to fix this moving forward. What that yeah. does, again, is the keyword trust. If Then you rebuild the trust that, okay, this person went through diligence to make sure that this was accurate and correct, and now we feel confident again that this is going to be uh, um, accurate data moving forward. And I think that trust is rebuilt after that.
1: And what about um, situations where... It's not just incorrect data, but it's lossy data. So, you know, you probably rely on humans to input data into CRM and sometimes it's reliable and sometimes it isn't. How have you navigated those challenges? Like where do you use automation? Where do you use training? How do you get to that spot yeah. where you feel like it's reliable and trustworthy?
0: Yeah, that, I think you always have to try to get to a point where you can, uh, you can automate the things that makes sense. I think you know, in in Ops, we can get to a point where we try to over automate things, um, and then the data starts to not get as reliable anymore, because uh, there has to be in some instances some um, element of uh, some human element to it. But I do think it's important to automate as much as possible for accuracy. The reality is, if there is manual input of data, you open the door to human error as well, right? So might have uh, you know for example those lost reasons that that I mentioned prior right doing a loss analysis of lost reasons that are being inputted by the sales team there is going to be some uh, uh, element of of this discretion, is the interpretation right? of, the, of yeah, the, yeah. Of discretion and yeah the sales person might not want to say that they were at fault for the lost deal and say that it was product and their product's lack of xyz right so um, I think you're always going to have that, but I do think automate as much as possible um, and but also have some discretion for, for the
1: human element as well. Yep, that makes sense. Um, any tips for us about how not to boil the ocean? Like, what do you, what do you just let go when you see data quality problems? What are Like, how do you prioritize? Clearly things that go to the board, like you've already said that, but any other tips around Triage and, and prioritizing time and data quality.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, again asking yourself asking yourself the question of is this urgent? What is the effort lift required here, and what is the impact that's going to, that it's going to have? Um, if it's going to be a three month lift, a high uh, you know five out of five lift in terms of effort. And then have a, a level one impact might not be the best to 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 utilize uh, time. Uh, uh, might not be the best use of resources and time, right?
1: And then do you just quarantine it, like you just say caveat emptor with that stuff, or how do you handle that?
0: Yeah, great question. So we actually use uh, cases and, and and a ticket tra- uh, tracking system within Salesforce to track all those things, and so we do essentially sort of uh, put it on the back burner and yeah. and say these are our are when we have time we'll get to these things right unfortunately some of those stay in that category uh forever but i think it's important for us because we always have it there and we know it you know when we're when we're we we kind of run on two-week sprints and so um every month we'll take a look at those to determine is there anything that now maybe the impact was a one six months ago maybe it's It's now a three yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's important to always have those because you can forget about it, but if it's always a ticket that's just sitting there, we we will go through, we'll triage them again just to make sure that you know something's there. i, I have one really kind of small example of that. Uh, truthfully, there's there's something that we do uh, without going into too much detail, but it, it it actually bugs me a lot in how we track it. Uh, there are certain lost deals that we actually track as a closed one deal. Mm. Um, it bugs me to my core, um, but the uh, to fix that, what it's actually, a, it's not worth the impact because as much as it bugs me and it bugs other people within our, our team, we are able to just manipulate that and turn yeah, you know that how to, differently. It out or whatever the case. Right. So yep. it's okay. It's okay, but it's not stopping any operations. It's not stopping the business. It's not stopping the sales team. It's just one of those things that's just it's a bit of an eyesore to look at. But when we triage it it actually is not worth the lift that's yeah. going to be required to fix it. So, that's yeah. a good example of that's a that's an impact of maybe like 0.5 with an effort of 3 or 4.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really important, I think. Yeah. Um let me shift gears again and and ask you how you stay up to date with all the latest trends and developments, uh, you know, we started this off by saying this this a uh, whole entire area of revenue operations didn't exist eight years ago. So how are revenue. you surfing the tide here?
0: I think there's a couple ways. I think a, I, I try to stay in touch with um, different RevOps communities. Um, to um, the reality is, I'm not have that's all the time in the world to um, get a demo for every single new product that's out there, um, and to um, you know, at the same time, I probably will not get the um, Honest review of what that product is from a team that might be selling it, right? But it's good to hear things from my peers as well that have tried it. Um, At the same time, it is important to still take those those demos and to kind of see what the new pieces of technology that are out there are offering. Um, There are tools that I used four years ago that I thought were the absolute best, and now, unfortunately, maybe not. No, this is not the case anymore, right? And there are new. Yeah, and there's new pieces of technology that are that are sort of um, disrupting the the industry a little bit, and and are now sort of leaders in the space. So, you know, um, it, it's important to stay up to date with these things. Um, so, whether it's uh, through sort of my own personal research, reading LinkedIn, etc., um, talking to the different uh, different peers within my community, uh, just uh, for example, we have a problem. At our organization i might ask the different communities hey we have this problem how have you solved this do you do this manually is there a piece of technology out there um and what do you use what have you used what do you like um and then also just sort of taking on those um those calls myself and to to learn about them there's there's many instances where i do have to say you know uh actually what you're you know what you're offering here is is probably not a good fit for where I'm at and where our organization is at, but I actually love what you're doing, and so I'm more than happy to, you know, send people your way. Um, you know, because uh, you know, everybody has different problems that they're working with in in their organization, and your your solution might solve many of those problems for people that I know. So I think it's important to to share that as well.
1: Yeah. So you're talking a lot about communities and kind of learning together. Can you tell us some of these communities or resources that you're using you find valuable and how, you know, a couple other examples of how they've helped you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would say I'll, I'll you know, one of the very, very first um, communities that I was a part of, uh, that I still am a part of, um, is the uh, a group called Modern Sales Pros. Um, that is a group that I joined many years ago, which again, I, I get embarrassed at the time, but. Uh, that, that was when I moved into sales operations as sort of, again, I was at a larger organization at a team of 25 sales ops. And then I became the sole sales ops individual, uh, the team of one, as we call it, um, at, at a smaller org, that group was an immensely helpful for me to just sort of learn from them. Um, other communities that are out there as well are, uh, sort of the, um, Uh, RevOps Co-op is another one that's really, really great that I'm actively involved in. Um, There is, because marketing operations is not my background, I'm in sales ops, right? That's where I come from. Uh, There's one called Marketing Ops Professionals that that I love. I'm a bit more of a lurker in there that I mostly read a lot of the posts. I'm not actively uh, posing solutions to them as much, but I I do read uh, pretty actively in there. Um, Wizard of Ops is another one that is, is also um, really active. Um, and then there's uh, there's another one. Let me just double check the name here. I don't want to get it wrong. The RevOps uh, Collective Community is a newer one um, um, that um, I'm pretty actively involved in as well. Um, so th- those things, I think, are just really, really helpful for us um, in the RevOps community because, as you mentioned, it's still so new that it's really important to start to learn from each other and from our peers. What I will say that I've seen over the past year that's been really helpful now is I've started to see more courses around RevOps. So I actually participated in the uh, RevOps co-op course for, for uh, revenue operations that's led by Jeff Ignacio. Um, I, I, I participated in, in, in one of those cohorts. Um, uh, there's a few more that I think one done by Pavilion as well. Uh, so we're starting to see that more. And I think that's really, really great for our RevOps community.
1: Terrific. Thank you. That's super helpful. Yeah. Um, tell me about your crystal ball. Where do you see the role evolving in the coming years and what skills or knowledge areas do you think are going to become more important?
0: Yeah, I think, I think you know, as our, as our role on RevOps continues to evolve, I think, the human element that I mentioned earlier of uh, being able to uh, communicate up and down the organization um, is going to be increasingly important as we in RevOps want to be considered, let me rephrase that, as we in RevOps want to have more seats at the table, right, in the, in, in the decision-making process. Um, I think it's important for us to, to, to be really strategic In the organization, Um, so I think that element is going to increase in its in its level of importance. I think also moving forward, it's hard to ignore what AI would potentially have within our roles. Um, I think everybody's thinking that, to be quite honest, Uh, and I think um, that is we're already starting to see just as, as smaller examples the the role that AI has in sort of sales and marketing and content creation and so forth. Right. I think it's still somewhat early for revenue operations in terms of on a larger scale. We, there's, there's plenty of tools out there that utilize AI. Right. But I think on a larger scale, I think it's still somewhat early, but that could change in three months as we've seen. Right. So I think that, 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 you know, that's, that's something that I think we'll, we, we all in RevOps have to keep our eye on. For example, uh, there's not something that, you know, by no means am I uh, an, an AI technologist, but you know there's not something that I see quite yet that's like going to automate a, like a salesforce app and or something like that, right? But again, you don't know what can happen in the next couple years in the next couple of months or the next couple of years that could potentially replace some of these things, right? So I, I think that's just something for us to keep our eye on and to see you know what tools out there are going to be able to help make our roles and operations. Uh, uh more effective and, and, and uh, efficient
1: so if you were advising somebody who's relatively new in their career about revOps and whether it's the right match for them what would you say what's good what's good background and and where do you think that um, it could lead a young professional
0: I think if if you're curious, if you're just a naturally curious person, I think RevOps is a great role for you. Um, it, I, th- I find that we go back to the idea of insights. In my opinion, I think if you're if you're a curious individual, you generally speaking are going to be really great at providing insights because you'll see a piece of data, or you'll see a process, or you'll see an operation, and you'll think. I think that there's something that can be improved there. I think there's something better there. I think there's something deeper there. And just continue asking that question over and over again, even if it's the same problem, data, process, whatever that may be. Those are the people that I think, uh, generally speaking, are really great operators. Um, But not just that. I mean, there's different roles within operations as well. If, for example, um, sales, you enjoy the... uh, the sort of performance-driven aspect of sales, but maybe sales is no longer your thing. I think sales ops is great. Um, it's one of the reasons why I went into sales uh, into sorry into sales operations, because I realized that I wanted to be a part of a team that's measured and performed, and you can see are we hitting our goal or are we not. But actually, selling was not my strength, and so sales operations was was the fit for me. So I think that's great. Same thing with marketing operations. Same thing with CS operations. Um, I would say those are the things that can make someone, you know, a a great asset to to the team and the organization.
1: Terrific advice. Wonderful. Well, look, we really appreciate all your time and the benefit of all your experience and wish you all the luck in the world as you continue in this great career and hope to see you in some of those uh, communities.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you. I appreciate this time and it's been really fun speaking with you.
1: Thanks, Sal. Thank you for tuning into the RevTech Revolution podcast.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and share this with colleagues who would benefit from it. If you'd like to learn more about how Reva can help you improve your customer data operations, check out RevaEngine.com.